Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies, and we try to drag each other into our interests by discussing the latest news in both books... And sports. Sadly, because we have a lot to talk about, because it's been two weeks. Oh joy. Feels like longer. Yeah, it was a little bit of a nice break, I would say, except for the fact that like my personal work schedule was absolutely insanity for the last week. So. It wasn't a good break for either one of us. Yeah. But we're happy-ish to be back, shy of the fact that it's going to be a long episode. Yeah, so we should just get straight into it. In the NHL, there have been a couple of COVID updates lately. The first one was announced on Monday, November 15th. The Ottawa Senators had three games postponed as a result of 10 players in NHL COVID protocols. Rescheduled dates for each of the three games was yet to be determined. I don't know if in the past like day or so they've finally figured it out. But the Ottawa Senators returned to practice on Saturday, November 20th for the first time since having the games postponed. And Ottawa's training facilities had been closed since November 15th. Almost a week. I was going to say, it sounds like a long time to just be like, now nah, we're not doing anything. Well, they had to not do anything. Right. And the second team, and this is more recent to us recording, the New York Islanders have had two games postponed due to another player testing positive for COVID-19, which puts the number up to eight other players with COVID-19 protocols under the current CBA. So it's just like nine people now? The road games that they are rescheduling will be against the Rangers and the Flyers. As of right now, kind of like the Senators, they haven't really had any games rescheduled at the moment, but the league plans on doing so. But, you know, Texas thinks COVID is over. A lot of states are pretending like it's done and we're just rip-roaring for another round, it sounds like, right now. And then it feels like a lot of people have gotten injured in the past couple of weeks. The first one being JT Comfer who will be out about a month for the Colorado Avalanche with an upper body injury. He left in the first period of the game against the San Jose Sharks on Saturday, November 13th. And then we also had Sammy Blay. He's out for the rest of the regular season for the New York Rangers because of a torn ACL in his right knee that will require surgery. He left in the third period of the game against the New Jersey Devils on Sunday, November 14th, after his leg bent awkwardly following a collision with Devils defenseman P.K. Subban. You ran into Subban, and I'm not surprised something happened. The Rangers said he will need six to eight months to recover, putting his earliest possible return in mid-May. The regular season is scheduled to end on April 29th, so it sounds like unless they make the playoffs, it's pretty much guaranteed he's not going to see time this season. Right, right. But, you know, with how many games are getting postponed, maybe the end of the season will be closer to May. Yeah, we really don't know when... These updates are all going to be done. Luckily, for the most part, there's not been a lot of games. It's just been these two teams that have been, like, drastically hurt so far. But, I mean, it does affect other teams because they have to play somebody. Including the Rangers. So. On that list. Alexander Barkov is week-to-week for the Florida Panthers because of a lower body injury. He left the game against the Islanders on Tuesday after a knee-on-knee collision with defenseman Scott Mayfield. Those are always rough to watch. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you pull up the video, you're just like, ah, that hurt. That definitely That's hurt. That's not how a knee is supposed to work. Right. And then defenseman Darnell Nurse will be out two to three weeks for the Oilers because of a broken finger. The defenseman was injured blocking a shot in the game against the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday, November 18th. You always think that the ones being blocked with the hand isn't going to be so bad because the so gloves padded. look big. Yeah. But like. 
No. It's like a 90 mile an hour thing coming at you. Yeah, a puck. Like, that and baseballs, I feel like, are probably the worst things to get hit with sport-wise. Like, just because they're dense. They're not just a cakewalk. Right, right. You also had Ryan Pollock. I always say that one word. Pollock. Sure. Yep. He's said to be out four to six weeks for the Islanders because of a lower body injury. The defenseman was injured in the second period of the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Monday, November 15th, after blocking a shot. This is why I always make the statement that I'm shocked defensemen play as long as they do in the league. Because, right. like, that, like, Duncan Keith losing his teeth that one time in the playoff game, like, it's just, I feel like it'd be really demoralizing, but I guess you kind of know your role, so. Like, right. Ryan Ellis is expected to be out four to six weeks for the Philadelphia Flyers with a lower body injury. Coach Alan Vineau said the defenseman doesn't need surgery. Again, another defenseman <laughs> taking another shot, being hurt. So it's just like, ugh, never ends. We also had Max Comtois, who will be out six weeks for the Anaheim Ducks after having surgery on his right hand on Thursday, November 18th. The forward had a small bone removed from his hand, which sounds like you shouldn't do that, but yeah, there was another injury that happened at one point this past couple weeks, and uh, I looked at the surgery they're doing for this guy, and I'm like, no, maybe we don't do that because it was someone <laughs> in a different sport who had to get a rib removed. I'm like, what the? You need those. That's why they're there. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's medically necessary probably for both of those guys. I would hope it was medically necessary that they're removing a rib and they're not just like, hey, you know what? This has got to go for just funsies. You okay with that? I don't think anyone in the league would support that. So <laughs> Right. And then the last injury we had for the NHL this week is Braden Point, who will be out four to six weeks for the Tampa Bay Lightning because of an upper body injury. He sustained the injury during the game against the New Jersey Devils on Saturday, November 20th, when he crashed into the boards following a trip by defenseman Ryan Graves. Seems like New Jersey's just trying to take people out all over the place. Yeah. I understand why they have to wear those hideous jerseys. People are probably making fun of them, and that's probably why he tripped them. Be a little dumb to let a your jersey looks ugly get to you. You mean your jersey jersey? Yeah, it's horrible. If you guys don't know, please look it up and you will just be like, wow, they really did that thing. They also made a hat hat Yes, that they're selling. They're, they, they did that more as a joke, I feel yes, like. Yes, they did. They did that one as a joke. The jersey, not so much. It was like legit. That's what they meant. Also, that's a little frustrating to me, this whole joke with the New Jersey Devils, because it's like, technically it's supposed to be called a sweater and not a jersey. So you should say sweater on your sweater. Yeah, but a majority of Americans that aren't like diehard hockey fans will immediately call it the Jersey Jersey. So Right, right. There was a whopping one trade this week. It's that time of the season that mm. I like. Nothing Less is trades. happening. Yeah. The Maple Leafs have traded for Kyle Clifford from the Blues for future considerations. I hate that. I hate that. What the hell is a future consideration? I don't know. You don't know. I don't even think the Blues know. So You'll get something from us at some point. I owe you. Yep, pretty much. There were also two signings this past week from the NHL. Nick Dowd signed a three-year, $3.9 million contract with the Washington Capitals on Sunday, November 14th. This has an AAV of $1.3 million. And then we always love coach re-signings. Jared Bednar has signed a two-year contract to remain coach of the Colorado Avalanche. The contract runs through the 2023-24 season. Yeah. Can we just start calling it the 23-24 season? I feel like that makes it easier. Sure. Well, it's not going to be the 21-23. It's true. 
And then in the other news of the NHL, we had some interesting things going on. And boy, it's a long list of also bad behavior, too, to come yes. after that. But uh, Canadian's assistant GM Scott Mellenby resigned yesterday after he requested the role of president of hockey operations and was informed he was not even being considered. So the position became open recently. Uh, obviously, the Canadians have been having a pretty rough start to the season after how well they played in the playoffs last season. So I mean, they just beat my team, so like... Yeah, but like two weeks ago, you trounced their team. I think it was like, what, 6-0 or something along those lines. So like they... All I remember is it was beautiful. Yeah. Needless to say, like the Canadians had a reason to try to beat you guys because you just treated them very poorly the last time you met. That's true. It always kind of sucks when you've been in a position for a time and you're like, well, I want to move up. And everyone's like, mm, I think we're going to keep you where you're at. So I can understand that. Yeah. Also this week, the U.S. and Canadian National Olympic teams have announced what their hockey jerseys are going to look like. I, have I haven't s- seen them. I have some photos where I knew you hadn't seen are them because you garbage? were right about them. Oh, they're not great. This is the United States' hockey jersey choices for the Olympics. Um, I mean, they're not awful. It's about a standard USA jersey. Yeah. Like, I agree with the people who think there shouldn't be two blue jerseys. Yeah. Like, why don't you make a red jersey right. for, like, your third jersey? I think the reason they don't do that is because Canada does red jerseys, but... But there are multiple countries that have red and white in their flags, so, like... And and I'll be honest, I, I, I really do like the navy blue one. I feel like that's not bad. Like, the light blue is kind of, of weird. Yeah. It's like... You put a light blue with a navy blue bar on it, and it, they almost blend, and that's strange. They shouldn't, but they do. And then, of course, we had to go to the Canadian jerseys as well. We can't if leave them If there's not out. a leaf on it, it's wrong. Oh, that's an... I hate that leaf. I effing hate that leaf. <laughs> it's like it's trying to be some sort of sci-fi plane. I don't, I don't know, spaceship of some sort. It's definitely the weirdest leaf I've seen on there. Obviously, like, they They've didn't They've used want, that one before. They obviously didn't want it to be, like, a completely maple leaf leaf because they don't want it to look like a maple leaf jersey. But at the same time, it's just, like, the black jersey probably looks pretty clean. Like It, it looks like it's trying to be a spaceship. Uh, yeah, kind of. I could, I could see that. But I would have to say the Canadians won this one out of, out of the two jerseys. I personally think so. I disagree. You think the U.S. is the winner on that one? It's cleaner on the U.S. jerseys, despite having that shoulder patch. Yeah. I I think the spiky leaf just doesn't make any effing sense. I've never seen a leaf like that out in the wild. Nor have I, but it's a very Canadian looking thing so i don't know i like the canadian jersey just because i've always liked black jerseys i feel like when they're done right and it does look kind of cool but like so many teams are on the black jersey bandwagon for their third that i'm like maybe we don't do that maybe yeah. we pick a different color like especially teams that aren't known for having black in their jerseys like why would you use black as your third jersey whenever your team's like blue and white that makes no sense I can agree with that. I don't think the Devils should do just a solid red like they did for their jersey jersey. I think they should do a red and black jersey yeah. as their third. The Blackhawks one looks clean, so I don't mind that so much, even though you have black as a secondary color. Your main color is red. Right. So I don't like the black jerseys. It's fair. And this has been Jersey Corner. <laughs>
There were some statistical like thresholds met this week. So we we had Dallas Stars forward Joe Pavelski. He became the tenth American-born player to reach 400 career goals during Friday's game against the Avalanche. What I'm hearing is Americans need to play harder. Or there's less Americans that play in the NHL than there are Canadians in other countries. I think that has a little more to do with that. I feel like I want to fact check that because that doesn't feel quite right. But maybe on next week's episode we'll have the statistics for you. <laughs> That's and, still pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. not not an easy one to be a part of that group, clearly. Tampa Bay goalie Andre Vasilevsky became the second fastest goalie to 200 career wins in NHL history this past Friday night. Uh, he completed this in only 318 total appearances. I feel like his defense is probably the whole reason. He's always had a solid defense. The Lightning have always had good It makes it a lot easier for a goalie to do this. Yeah. He got to this number, though, by two direct shutouts, one with 38 saves, and the last one uh, that got him to the 200th was only 17 saves. So your argument to the defense. Right. Yeah. Only facing 17 shots in three periods. Are you kidding? (laughs) I feel like that game is just going to be like Bambi trying to learn how to walk on the ice because that's how often the players are like flopping down in front of the shot. I wouldn't argue that. It's probably very similar to what happened. We also had Dion Phaneuf, who announced his retirement on Tuesday, November 16th, which put an end to his 14-season NHL career with the Calgary Flames, Toronto Maple Leafs, Ottawa Senators, and LA Kings. He last played in the NHL in the 18-19 season. It always throws me off when like they're like, and we're announcing our retirement now, and it was like three years ago that you played last. It's like... Well, two, but yeah. Still, though, it's like you, you retired a while ago, let's be honest. You just didn't announce it yet. Correct. We also had Troy Brower, who retired from the NHL on Thursday, November 18th, after 14 seasons himself. The 36-year-old forward last played in the 1920 season when he had one goal in 13 games for the St. Louis Blues. Originally, he was selected by the Chicago Blackhawks in the seventh round of the 2004 NHL draft. He scored... 363 points in 851 regular season games with the St. Louis Blues, Florida Panthers, Calgary Flames, Washington Capitals, and Chicago Blackhawks. He's a guy that's moved around quite a bit. Like, he's been a key piece for a lot of teams to push into the playoffs, but, like, not really, like, the guy by any means. Right, right. Not producing. His job wasn't really to do that. He was kind of a bigger body player, so, like, it it was more to get in the way of players and hit people, so, like... Not really an enforcer, but definitely around to make people upset that they're getting beat up quite so much. And this one's kind of a cross-sport announcement. The The home of the LA Kings will be renamed Crypto.com Arena, effective December 25th. Merry Christmas. We've completely butchered everything about the thing you love in LA. Because there's nothing else to love in LA. I've got a good joke for this, but we'll hold on to it for a second. It is a 20-year naming rights agreement for the arena. The arena has been called the Staples Center since it opened October 17, 1999. It's the home of the LA Kings, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Sparks. The only reason they're changing the name, and I have to think this is the reason away from the Staples Arena, the only team that's won a championship in that arena in the last like decade was the Lakers. It's no longer easy to win championships there. That was a great, that was easy button joke from Staples, but clearly lost on you. No, just not a... It wasn't easy, is what I'm trying to say. Neither is that joke, apparently. Clearly. But I just, I don't love this. 
Especially the fact that you just gave away the rights for that many years. Because it's like, it feels to me that this whole crypto thing is a fad. And feel free in the future to play this back to me if I'm completely (laughs) and totally wrong. 100% will, because the fad has been going on now for about almost two decades. But to me, it just, it feels like if during the height of this person's popularity... You called the airline center, the American Airlines Center, the Carly Rae Jepsen Center. A, she doesn't have enough money. B, <laughs> probably. No probabilities. But, like, she was kind of a fad, and I feel like the crypto thing is kind of a fad. But, like I said, you can play this back in the future and make fun of me. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Crypto.com only is a billion-dollar company at this point, so, you know, with a B. So, I don't know. I. But, I was Staples at one point that... I, I don't know that they really are anymore, and I think that's the reason they lost they? naming rights. Yes, at one point in time, they were... And now they're not. Were, right. So that can happen. I guess. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. But staying on the subject of the Kings and bad behavior is where we start. Kings forward Brendan Lemieux was offered an in-person hearing via a Zoom call after receiving a five-minute match penalty for biting Brady to Chuck during last night's game against the Senators. Yep, saw that. Nothing like biting somebody. Correct. There is nothing like that. What the hell were you thinking? Like, legit, I think this is the first time shy of, like, the weird Marshan licking thing that, like, a mouth has been on another opposing player in a little while. So it's, like, it's kind of creepy. Why are you doing that in the time of COVID? Like, I I mean, it's creepy whether or not COVID is happening, but it's especially creepy now. Exactly. You just infected this guy's ear with COVID. Good job. We don't know that it was his ear. We're not calling it a Mike Tyson event or anything like that. (laughs) True. I haven't seen the video. I just assumed. (laughs) Yeah. But like, who as a grown adult playing a professional sport for money goes, yeah, I'm just going to bite this guy. Right. It's definitely weird. Like, are you in kindergarten? What's happening? Yeah. The comparison that I've heard was like a comparison to a soccer player by name of Luis Suarez, where he kind of like nod on a dude's shoulder. Like, yeah. So like. I don't know. It's one of those weird things for sure. And then another kind of more funny situation, uh, also dealing with Brett Marchand. Man, I didn't even mean for that tie-in to happen, but that is fantastic. Beautiful. Uh, Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers was fined $5,000 for throwing one of his gloves at Boston Bruins forward Brad Marchand. While they were both on the bench in the waning seconds of the third period, both players were given 10-minute game misconducts. So if you never seen that in my life, I don't think. Did you did you see the video of how it happened? No. Oh, it's the greatest. Literally the referee is sitting between the two or standing between the two benches, and the glove is thrown behind the referee, and the referee only notices it happens because he hears the glove foom, right past his head and hit Marshan in the face, and it's so funny. Like it was one of the funniest things, and I'm like, dude, that was worth the five thousand dollar fine. Like, just pay it. He should have been awarded $5,000 for hitting Brad Marchand in the face. I'm yes. sorry. I hate him so much. But, like, the video literally looked like he was trying to be sneaky about it because, like, <laughs> the referee was, like, maybe a foot and a half onto the ice away from the benches in the middle. And just literally, or Timmy Panarin was just shouting, and he just chucked it and freaking hit Marchand. It was the best. Like, I want to know why they got the maximum fine allowable for that. Like, what is the reasoning you think it's worth $5,000? Oh, it's it's clearly based off of sportsmanship. Like, clearly. Like, they didn't even fight on the ice where it would have been like, okay, like, we get it. You're fighting. Like, like, you throw a glove at someone. Yeah. 
and you get $5,000 fine. But if you just slap each other around on the ice for a little bit, Nothing. no fine. Yeah, you would have just gotten the game misconducts and probably been all right. I, I think that fine's a little stupid, but... Still funny, just the same. Anyone hitting Brad Marchand in the face, I support. We also had one person from my team this past couple of weeks get a fine. Pittsburgh Penguins forward Evan Rodriguez has been fined $2,500 for a dangerous trip against Ottawa Senators forward Zach Sanford during the game against Ottawa on Saturday, November 13th. And then we had Minnesota Wild defenseman Alex Goligoski. He was fined $5,000 for high-sticking Seattle Kraken forward Jordan Eberle during the game against the Seattle Kraken on Saturday, November 13th. Montreal Canadiens forward Brendan Gallagher has been fined $2,500 for roughing New York Rangers forward Barclay Goodrow during the game against New York on Tuesday, November 16th. The Calgary Flames forward Mikkel Backlund has been fined $5,000 for cross-checking Philadelphia Flyers forward Travis Kinen... I always screw this dude's name up. Kinen... I... Maybe. Sure. Um, During the game in the Philadelphia on Tuesday, November 16th. Kinekne. Kinekne. I don't think any of those were right. (laughs) And all we do for the rest of the episode is me trying to pronounce that dude's name. Let's not do that for, for our listeners' sake. Okay, well, there are more people behaving badly, so we'll just keep going with that. San Jose Sharks forward Kevin LeBanc has been suspended for one game without pay for what they're calling slew footing St. Louis Blues forward Tyler Bozag during the game in St. Louis on Thursday, November 18th. He will end up forfeiting $23,625. That's, I don't even know what slew footing is, but clearly it's bad if it's that big of a salary penalty i feel like it's a type of tripping well i i figured since it's foot related it's probably at least a little bit tripping related yeah it's knocking someone's feet out from under them and it doesn't end there with the slew footing as it turns out (laughs) minnesota wild forward ryan hartman has been fined four thousand two hundred fifty dollars for slew footing tampa bay lightning forward ross colton during the game in Tampa on Sunday, November 21st. I wonder how big of a difference the slew footing was, because that's a big amount. I would have to imagine, like, one of them was close to the boards and one was maybe in the middle of the ice. Like, that's the only thing that would make any kind of sense to me. Maybe. We also had Winnipeg Jets defenseman Josh Morrissey, who has been fined $5,000 for slashing Columbus Blue Jackets forward Alexander Texier in the game in Columbus on Wednesday, November 24th. Columbus Blue Jackets forward Max Domi. Boy, I don't never get sick of talking about Domi and friggin' fines. Has been fined five thousand dollars for unsportsmanlike conduct during the game in Columbus on Wednesday, November twenty fourth. That dude is always getting fined. He's like the repeat of repeat offenders. And I believe this is our final fine. Yes, it is. Thank goodness. Ottawa Senators defenseman Nikita Zaitsev has been fined $5,000 for cross-checking San Jose Sharks forward Timo Meyer during the game in San Jose on Wednesday, November 24th. Players are just playing dirty or something. Or something. (laughs) And we talked about this next piece just a little bit. The New Jersey Devils have unveiled their first ever third jersey on Tuesday, November 23rd which was designed by Marktown Brodeur. The team will end up wearing their third jerseys 13 times this season. That makes it so much sadder of a story because I love Martin Brodeur. I literally have his rookie card in a nice little case, like here in the house. 
and I love the player, but boy, like, he does not know how to design a jersey. I feel like he didn't actually design the jersey. It says designed by Martin Brodeur. I'm hoping that he was at least somewhat involved. And if he was, why would you allow that to have your name attached to That's it? That's pretty ugly jersey. It's horrible. It literally looks, as I described to you, like somebody cheated off of the Blackhawks test when it came to the black jerseys and then still didn't answer the question right. It's awful. Yeah. And then last for the NHL is that Doug Wilson is taking a temporary medical leave as GM of the San Jose Sharks. He has been GM since the... Tw- Ooh, 2003-2004 season. I almost said 23-24 season. San Jose assistant GM Joe Will is taking over the day-to-day operations for the organization until they find someone, I assume. Yeah, it's, I always get really nervous when articles like this come out because you don't really know what the medical reason is, but you know it's serious enough to be able to just step away from the whole thing. So, like... If I remember the article that I read, it sounded like it was a mental health thing. Okay. But well, it's technically important. called a medical leave of absence. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, so. Hopefully he gets the help that he needs because that, that's no joke, joking yeah. matter at all by any means. Starting off with the NFL and COVID news, we have just one piece of it, thank goodness. During the Thanksgiving game between the Cowboys and the Raiders, the Cowboys were down three assistant coaches after all three of them tested positive for COVID-19. So, fun. And then starting off with player health, the Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown has been placed on the IR list, which will force him to miss the upcoming three games at a minimum. Actively, the Titans have their top three offensive producers on the IR, including running back Derrick Henry and also wide receiver Julio Jones. Never a good thing to have your three most yard-gaining offensive powerhouses to not be available to your team. Like, that sucks. Yeah. I'm just surprised there's more than three games left in the season. There's definitely more than three games left in the season. (laughs) When does this end? Usually in February is when the Super Bowl is, so... No, I mean the regular season. When does the regular season end? I don't have my phone anywhere near me, so I couldn't tell you. I feel like we've been talking about football forever. Since at least September? Feels way longer. Yeah. Packers running back Aaron Jones suffered a mild MCL sprain in the game against Seahawks and is expected to be out for one to two weeks. And I feel really bad about this next one because this guy just can't catch a break. Like he's been in the NFL now for two seasons and he's been injured midway through the season for two seasons. I don't think we should wish for him to catch a break then because I feel like he's just going to end up with a broken bone. Well, the idea is for him to not be broken. Yes. Washington defensive end Chase Young will be out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. He suffered the injury on Sunday, November 14th in the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, this dude was phenomenal in his college career, but he was also injured for one of his four seasons in college as well, so it seems like he just needs some bubble wrap to protect him. You often have players who are like that. You just want to wrap him in bubble wrap the whole game. Right. And then this one was near and dear and broke my heart. The Chicago Bears linebacker Khalil Mack is set to undergo season-ending foot surgery after weeks of rest. Like They were just hoping to rest it and it would be better, and it's they, not. Yeah, it progressively has, I guess, gotten worse as he's been trying to practice. So, yeah, that's a thing. It's rough to lose a guy like that because he demands double coverage a lot of the times, which frees up other people to make plays on quarterbacks. So, like, he's not one you want to lose, usually speaking. Yeah. 
The Seattle Seahawks running back, Chris Carson, is set to undergo season-ending neck surgery. And the article wasn't very specific about what kind of neck surgery that is. So who knows? But it's ending his season, so it's probably pretty serious. I feel like any surgery in the neck is, like, serious, period, right? Like, especially if you're a football player, because, like, whiplash is probably a thing you deal with pretty often when you're getting hit. And then Buffalo Bills cornerback Tredavious White will be out for the remainder of the season with a torn ACL. He was on pace to have a record season this year, so it's kind of tough to, like... And the gods said no. Pretty much, yeah. The football gods. Those are a thing, right? They exist. Oh. We like to believe that anyways as football fans. I don't watch football, I couldn't tell you. And then we move on to the NFL signings. A decent amount of them this past couple of weeks. First up is Dallas Godare and the Philadelphia Eagles, who have agreed to terms on a four-year, $57 million extension through 2025. The deal includes $35 million in guaranteed money, which is what? Which is more than half. Which is too much guaranteed money. I don't think he disagrees. Well, I he do. Might, the team say, might. I think not. he disagrees with you on that, but uh, like he probably would prefer a little more of it. And then the Philadelphia Eagles cornerback Avante Maddox has agreed to a three-year $22.5 million extension with $13.3 million in guaranteed money, which is also more than half. The Denver Broncos and wide receiver Tim Patrick have also agreed to a three-year contract extension worth up to $34.5 million with $18.5 million guaranteed. They didn't stop there over the last two weeks. The Broncos also signed wide receiver Cortland Sutton to an agreement on a four-year, $60.8 million extension with $34.9 million of that guaranteed. Which is more than that other dude's whole contract. Right. Which might be a little heartbreaking, I guess, for <laughs> Tim Patrick. I mean, if you are the only two Broncos signed in this period and you see the other dudes, you're like, what happened to my contract? Why did I get so screwed? Firing my agent. <laughs> And Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints have agreed to a four-year, $40 million extension with $20 million fully guaranteed, which is half, exactly. It got bumped up later in the week to $22.5 million guaranteed. Uh, oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they had to figure out how they were going to keep him at the same cap hit, and that was how they avoided it. So guaranteed money is a different pot than your cap space? Yes. The Because the way they basically put it in is as like a signing bonus, the extra amount. (laughs) I'm sure my face was great with that because that makes no effing sense. Yeah, the NFL's rules when it comes to cap hits are interesting. There's a lot of ways to work around it. The NHL is kind of that way too sometimes. So like, it's just not as... Blatant. Yeah, yeah. What's crazy about it though is he could earn an additional $55 million if he wins out the starting quarterback position for the next four years. So if he becomes the starting quarterback, he'll have the ability to make even more money during that contract time. So, like, that's crazy. I'm pretty sure this is the article that mentioned a word that I had spoken to you about, talking about sports contracts before, and you're like, that's not a thing. But it was a thing. It's chaos. The way this contract is written, like, literally somebody who was a sports writer for this, like, New Orleans area wrote, like, eight tweets to try to explain how this contract breaks down. And that's how Twitter fails us. Yeah. And so, like, it, it's a mess. Like, if you went further into it, it's even crazier. Well, it has a lot of escalators, which I told you was a thing. Like, the first year we were recording the podcast, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. 
That's yeah. not a thing. It's got a lot of incentives and, and ways for him to get more money. Correct. Which is what an escalator is. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense the way the contract's written. I don't recommend reading it. I read the whole thing and it's just a mess. Basically, the forty million is like a minimum for this dude. And he can make a whole lot more money based on performance and other crap that can happen in the future. Yeah, the reason they signed this extension with him, though, was for the next two seasons anyways, he would have been a $9 million cap hit, and he wouldn't have had to have played the way the contract was written. So, like, they were like, That's whoa, why he, we need to fix this. He's got those performance-based escalators involved in his contract. Correct, because yeah. they wanted him to play. So it was an ugly contract before, and now it's better for the organization. I think that's the reason they got him to sign the contract they did. So. Yeah. And the last bit of NFL news is that the New York Giants have fired their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, on Tuesday, November 23rd. Garrett was hired by the Giants coach, Joe Judge, ahead of the 2020 season after a nine-year run as the Dallas Cowboys head coach. So he's been with the team for like one and a half seasons. And so they will have senior offensive assistant Freddie Kitchens to take over play calling duties for now. They're going to obviously have to find someone. Probably in the offseason. At this point, more than likely. And in COVID news, this is kind of a general news thing for all sports, but the MLB was the biggest one that seemed to be talking about it because they only have one team in Canada, which is the weirdest part about it to me because I'm like, you think it would be other sports that would be concerned about it. Um, But the Canadian government announced only fully vaccinated athletes will be allowed entry to play in the country in amateur and professional sports as of January 15th. Which is a solid move, given that the new variant is mostly affecting, who would have guessed, unvaccinated people. Right. So. But moving along to signings, because it's the offseason for baseball, and that's all that's really kind of going on at this point. Yeah, there's a couple other things happening. The Chicago White Sox have signed relief pitcher Kendall Graveman to a three-year contract worth $24 million. This move will solidify the later inning pitcher needs the team struggled with last season. I'm going to sidestep everything you just said for a second how is this man not like in the military or like cia or something like that you have that last name graveman how much of a bad mfr would you have been if you had joined one of those he's a he's a pretty bad looking dude too so like it would have probably worked really really well you don't even have to kill people you just have to look at them and be called graveman yeah most recently, he was the relief pitcher for the Houston Astros, and one of the, the reasons... The cheaters? Yes, but he, the Houston he cheaters? wasn't part of the organization when it happened, so... So he was part after. Correct. So what have we learned about cheating? You could teach the newbies how to cheat. Sure. <laughs> I <laughs> hope he's not a cheater with your organization. Continuing on, the St. Louis <laughs> Cardinals have added another great starting pitcher by signing Steven Matz to a four-year, $44 million contract, which includes incentives up to $48 million. So basically a million dollars a year if he's within a threshold of like the top pitchers in the National League. So there's a chance for him to make some more extra monies. I was going to leave this one for you just because of the name, and I thought it was kind of funny first name. Yimmy Garcia. Yeah. The Blue Jays signed relief pitcher Yimmy Garcia to a two-year, $11 million contract that includes a club option for a third year. The details on the third-year option weren't released as to how many dollars it would be, so we'll see what maybe he could get Mm -hmm. later down the road. But the Blue Jays didn't stop signing pitchers. They also signed starting pitcher Jose Barrios to a seven-year 
contract extension worth $131 million. The contract includes $10 million in possible incentive dollars based on his performances. Also, the Mets have signed Billy Epler to a four-year deal to be their 16th GM in franchise history. He was the Angels GM from 2015 to 2020. He was also a Yankees scout and executive from 2004 to 2015. To be fair, they went through two GMs last season, the 14th and 15th ones. So, like, they sped that number up drastically, whether they meant to or not. Yeah. But the Mets didn't stop signing people or players or coaches or GMs or any of those things. The Mets had a blockbuster signing day by signing outfielder Starling Marte to a four-year $78 million contract, third baseman Eduardo Escobar to a two-year $20 million contract, and outfielder Mark Kanha to a two-year $26.5 million contract. The Mets spent a total of $124.5 million in guaranteed contracts to these three players in one day. It's like they weren't joking around. When they signed Epler, Epler's first statement was, we're not going to be afraid to go out and get the players we want. And literally like two days later, he was like, boom, contracts. So I guess that goes along to prove that they were ready to spend the money and make that team good. So... Well, we'll see next season if they're actually good. It's true. The Rangers have signed a contract extension with manager Chris Woodward through the 23 season with a club option for 24. He was hired as Texas's 19th manager in 2019 following a three-year stint as the third base and infield coach for the Dodgers. The Colorado Rockies and Elias Diaz have agreed to a three-year $14.5 million deal. Why not 15? It's so easy. Just do the math. Maybe they didn't want to pay him that much. Sports contracts drive me crazy because it's never a round number. It could be worse. We get into hockey with those three decimal places worth of numbers. Yeah. (laughs) Ray's shortstop Wander Franco has agreed to an 11-year, $182 million contract extension. The contract comes with a $25 million club option. His contract is a franchise record for the race by topping Evan Longoria's previous $100 million guarantee. He was going to be due a lot of money based on how well the Rays played last season, no matter what. 11-year contract extension. It was his second season in the major leagues last year, so he's still young, so they get a lot out of him still. That's a long time. When you find a franchise player, you, as they would say, pay the man. Pay him. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're leaving this one for me. So the Pittsburgh Pirates have signed Yoshi Susugo to a one-year $4 million deal. Hopefully I got that right. I feel like I did. I wouldn't know. Yeah. Nor would I, as it turns out, but I gave it my best shot. But one of the biggest things to happen while we were gone is that Major League Baseball's owners announced on Thursday, November 18th, that a new minor league housing policy, which is expected to provide more than 90% of assigned minor league players across every level with furnished housing accommodations at each major league club's expense, will begin with the 2022 season. The exceptions will include players with existing Major League Uniform player contracts and those who are scheduled to earn six-figure minor league salaries over a full season. That kind of makes sense. So, like, if you're making six figures a year, you're making a living wage at that point. You can afford to live somewhere. Right. Well, and I feel like you're also less likely to be moving around so much. Right. So you don't have to worry about... Ending leases and everything else early. Definitely. 
Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball Players Association have reached an agreement to move up this year's tender deadline from December 2nd to November 30th in order to allow non-tendered players time to find homes ahead of a potential lockout. The MLB's owners are widely expected to lock out the players once the current CBA expires on December 1st. Once that happens, big league free agents would not be permitted to sign with new teams until after a new CBA is ratified by both parties. It's going to be ugly this year. The owners are playing hardball and the players are playing hardball. And I it, feel like they just did this. Did they not just do this? They did a temporary CBA adjustment due to like COVID, but like was basically yes. We bas- just went through this. Basically, a one year like this is the solution to the thing. And it's been a long time since they've done a full lockout. I believe it was like 94 was the last time. And they literally canceled the entire season and the playoffs. Fun. So. I mean, I would assume the playoffs would get canceled if you didn't have a regular season. Correct. How else would you pick who plays in the playoffs? Random drawing from a hat. or like I a, would see that. Or like a little lottery ball machine where it just. I would watch that. Pulls different numbers and names up for the seating. <laughs> Also, former All-Star closer Wade Davis has retired from the major leagues after 13 seasons. He was 63-55 with a 3.94 ERA, which sounds high to me, but maybe it's not. It isn't, isn't. The reason his average is so high is because early on in his career, he had some rough seasons, and that obviously affects the average. But I don't know. He's always been a problem for my White Sox over the years, so like... I wasn't particularly a fan, but, like, a good player, you know? Like, you can't knock him by any means. I don't think he'll be a Hall of Famer based on his performances, but, like, he'll go down in the history of, like, quality closers for Kansas City. And then we had the AL and National League MVPs announced this week. Pretty cool things. Shohei Itani unanimously won the AL MVP award for last season's performance. He's only the 11th player in history to win this award unanimously in the American League. He received all 31st place votes, every single one. So, kudos. That's pretty intense. And then in the National League, Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies won the National League MVP award. He received 17 first place votes, 9 second place votes, and 2 third place votes. So, the nearest person to him was about 90 points behind him based off of that voting. So, it was still a pretty good lead. What were the other two? Because it's it's thirty people voting, right? Yeah, but so you, where was he on the other two people's he list? He wasn't. You only vote for a second and third. Oh. So the other two people didn't vote for him in either of those categories. Oh, okay. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. They must not like him or something. I don't know. I guess. Moving forward with NBA, we have, of course, some COVID news. The Oklahoma City Thunder are in an idiotic move that surprises exactly no one. Ending COVID requirements for fans. Fans attending Thunder Games in person will no longer be required to provide proof of a COVID vaccination or a negative test. This will start on December 1st based on the team's impressions of a decline in COVID cases and an increase in vaccinations in Oklahoma County. But I basically said, so if there's an increase in vaccinations, why don't you just keep your requirements? I, I don't get it. Yeah. It's Oklahoma. You're not supposed to get it. Yeah. When I went up for Thanksgiving, I was the only one wearing a mask everywhere I went. Yeah. Which is just shameful. Yeah, it's not that bad here in Texas, which is kind of shocking, I feel like, for some people. But, like, there's 
there's a denser population here, so I feel like a lot more people know somebody that's been sick really bad with COVID. So, like, people in turn are still wearing masks in a lot of places. Don't get me wrong, like, there's more and more people not wearing them, but, like, there's still a good chunk. I would say it's probably still 60-40, which is better than I feel like most places. Better than one out of everyone who was at the supermarket? Yeah. Yeah. It also seems like there were a decent number of injuries that have happened in the past couple of weeks in the NBA. Atlanta Hawks forward DeAndre Hunter has had wrist surgery following an MRI that revealed a tendon injury. He is expected to miss approximately eight weeks. I don't know when the regular season ends, so I feel like it's later than. It runs pretty much in line with the NHL season, so. Okay, so he can come back. He definitely will be back. Cleveland Cavaliers rookie forward Evan Mobley has a tentative timetable to be out for a month with a sprained right elbow that he suffered in the game against the Celtics on Monday, November 15th. But that wasn't the only Cavaliers injury because guard Colin Sexton is out for the rest of the season after injuring his left knee and undergoing surgery to repair a cartilage tear. He was injured in the game on November 7th against the New York Knicks, so he was out. A bit before this other guy got injured. Yeah. Toronto Raptors forward OG Anunobi is out indefinitely with a hip pointer. He suffered the injury during a workout in Portland. What is a hip pointer? Like, I didn't know your hip could point to things. I'm double checking. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's just a bruise basically on the hip bone, like the pointier part of your hip bone. That's That doesn't sound fun. But, like, it doesn't sound as bad of an injury as my brain wanted it to be. Right, right. But I feel like it's also got to involve some of your tendons and stuff because I don't know why he would be out for such an indefinite amount of time. Yeah. Denver Nuggets PJ Dozier? Dossier? Dozier? I would bet it's either the third one or the first one. Is out indefinitely after being diagnosed with a torn ACL in his left knee. He will likely miss the remainder of the 21-22 season. The injury occurred during the first quarter of the game on Tuesday, November 23rd against the Portland Trailblazers. And then last but not least with injuries, the Rockets guard Jalen Green will be reevaluated in one week after being diagnosed with a strained left hamstring. He's expected to miss a minimum of three to four games, roughly. I guess we'll start off with bad behavior. Is that the thing to call this one? Yeah, like weird behavior, I feel like. Like, why would you even do this? I just don't understand. The Minnesota Timberwolves organization has been fined $250,000 for violating league rules, which prohibit teams from arranging or paying for off-season practice or group workout sessions for their players outside of the team's own market. These violations occurred in connection with the Timberwolves' player activities in Miami in early September. At their partial owner's home, Alex Rodriguez. Okay, but here's the thing. That is not their home market. Oh, there's no argument to that. I'm just saying, like, you should know better. You're the owner of the team, what the rules are. Like, I don't get it. Would they be allowed to just play a round of, like, street ball? Not together, as it seems. Because that's not really practice. It is still kind of practice, because you're playing the game that you get paid for, so you're practicing technically? I feel like that's a gray area there. Yeah. Giannis has been named GQ's Athlete of the Year as part of its Men of the Year series. The other two winners are Tom Holland and Lil Nas X. The article on Giannis looks back at his journey to the top of the NBA. It's a decent photo of him, too, on the front. Well, and the reality is, too, like, if you don't know his story, like, 
it's it's definitely a rags to riches style story for sure of like yeah. and it was not earned easily so like kudos to him like for going that far and then bringing up his two brothers in the same method you know like he was the eldest of the three and like got his brothers into the game as well the sacramento kings have fired their coach luke walton after a 6-11 start, he was coached for over two seasons, during which he had an 68-93 record. They have named Alvin Gentry as their interim coach. Didi Luzada of the New Orleans Pelicans has been suspended without pay for 25 games for violating the terms of the NBA and NBA Players Association anti-drug program by testing positive for drostenolone and testosterone Zada's suspension began on November 19th. Both player-enhancing drugs, I assume, in some way, shape, or form. I feel like it's just another form of testosterone. But yeah. yeah. And then, this is kind of the LeBron James corner of this episode, because he was ejected from the game against the Pistons on Sunday, November 21st, following, quote, unnecessary and excessive contact on Isaiah Stewart, which resulted in drawing blood. He punched him in the face. Let's call it what it is. But we also have suspensions, which includes LeBron James. For the Detroit Pistons, their center Isaiah Stewart has been suspended two games without pay for escalating an on-court altercation. But also LeBron James has been suspended one game without pay for recklessly hitting Stewart in the face and initiating an on-court altercation. Both players were ejected from the game. Stewart ended up serving his suspensions on Tuesday, November 23rd, and Wednesday, November 24th. James served his on Tuesday, November 23rd. Yeah. Isaiah Stewart definitely did the wrong thing after it happened. Like, security came on the court immediately because they knew how bad it was and separated the two of them before either one could escalate it. And then Isaiah Stewart thought it was a great idea to mow over four security guards to try to get to LeBron and hit him back. And it's like, dude, if you would have just taken the hit, LeBron would have gotten, A, more suspensions. You wouldn't have gotten suspensions or fines. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I get it. Like, you got punched in the face. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure if one gets punched in the face, the first thought is, I want to punch that person back in the face. But, like, you got to fight those urges, man, because there are kids, there were little kids in the stadium watching you overreact. Yeah. And, like, you could have injured the other three security guards that you just knocked down like they didn't even exist. So, I don't know. It's just, it was ugly. Yeah. But the ugliness did not stop there. Because LA Lakers forward LeBron James has been fined $15,000 for making an obscene gesture on the court. The incident occurred during the fourth quarter of the game against the Indiana Pacers on November 24th, which was the day after he had served his suspension. He did the exact same gesture, the Cassell gesture that we talked about literally only two weeks ago on the last podcast, where somebody else was So he knew better, is what you're telling me. There's literally no excuse. It's just like, dude, like somebody literally just got fined for this two weeks ago. Why would you think it's okay to do it? I'm telling you, like, people don't know how to behave anymore. Yeah. And then finally, in the... Players acting badly. Portland Trailblazers forward Robert Covington has been fined 15K for throwing his face mask at a game official during the game against the Sacramento Kings on November 24th. No one wants your nasty mask. I'm sorry. Right. Stop it. Especially in the time of COVID. Your sweaty, nasty, like, gross breath. Yeah. On that mask. No one wants it. No disagreement. 
and you lost $15,000 and a mask. A perfectly good mask that you said was stinky and gross, so maybe it wasn't so great. Maybe he could wash it and everything would be fine, but no. We also have a decent amount of soccer news coming out this past week because the MLS is in their playoffs. Yes. Round one happened while we were gone, and I'll break that down real quick for everyone. New York City beat Atlanta 2-0. Nashville beat Orlando 3-1. Philadelphia beat the New York Red Bulls 1-0. Portland beat Minnesota 3-1. Kansas City beat Vancouver 3-1. And it's weird for this last one because Salt Lake moves forward based on PKs after playing Seattle because no one scored a goal in that game. So good goalies or just no offense? Like, it must have been a weird game. Or really hard defense, but I feel like with soccer, your defense isn't as key as it is in hockey. So So now we're setting up for the conference semifinals. There's already been one game in which Portland beat Colorado, which was an upset because Colorado was the number one seed going into this round. And then other games are going to be happening this week. As of today, we have Kansas City and Salt Lake playing at 2 p.m., And Philadelphia and Nashville are going to play at 4.30 p.m. These times are all Eastern Standard, by the way. And then a couple days from now, on the 30th, New England and New York City are going to play at 6.30 p.m. Gotcha. And of course, that will decide what happens moving forward. We also had a couple of position movements. Maybe that's a good way to say it. Mark Abbott is stepping down from his position as president and deputy commissioner of MLS, effective at the end of 2022. He will take on an advisory role in a number of areas in 2023. I don't know why we had to find out about it one year before it's happening, but it's happening. Also, MLS's Toronto FC has hired Bob Bradley as the team's new head coach and sporting director. He joins the team after leaving LAFC, where he had served from 2017 as the team's first ever manager. And the Chicago Fire has named former Columbus crew assistant Ezra Hendrickson to be the team's next coach. The Fire had been without a manager since firing Raphael Wicke back on September 30th. The 2021 campaign marked the eighth time in the last nine seasons that the fire failed to reach the postseason. It's been so that r- probably explains why. It's been a rough road, to say the least. Yep. But it wouldn't be a Chicago team without one. <laughs> I feel like everyone goes through that at some point. In the international world, we don't have too much in the way of soccer. Um, I do have the standings actively for the top five. But there was an interesting one today. The game between Burnley and Tottenham was canceled due to heavy snow conditions. Stadium crews were trying to clear the field, and as they did so, it was snowing so hard that whatever they had just done had been then recovered with snow. Where were they playing at today? They they were playing in Burnley. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be a dumb American and not know where that is. It's North England, hence the snow. Go figure. Yeah. You're so smart, baby. I'm very proud of you. You literally just said you didn't know where it was, so I just answered the question for you. No need for sarcasm. But to go into the standings, actively, Chelsea is in first place. They just finished playing Manchester United and drew out. Uh, They have 30 points. Manchester City in second place with 29 points. Liverpool in third place with 28 points. West Ham in 4th with 23 points, and Arsenal in 5th with 23 points. 
So pretty close pack there in the 4-5-6th place because the Wolves are only three points back on that as well. Manchester United is actively sitting in 8th place with 18 points. And my Newcastle United rounding up the 20th and last place spot. Really? With 6 points on the board. Oh no. So we're doing great it's, things it's down at the bottom of the table. It's getting a little too late for you to be that far down the table. It's really not because... They're not even halfway through the season yet, and we get to sign people in January. So, like, I'm hoping and praying at this point that we sign good players and change the way we're going right now. I've been impressed with the way the new head coach is running practices. The players are legitimately going, this is the first time in, like, three years that we've really had a coach that is physically demanding of us when it comes to our workouts. And I'm like, no wonder you guys' pace has sucked in the back half of the game because your workouts haven't allowed you to be good enough to make it through an entire game. The players are playing tired right now, but hopefully they build up a little bit of endurance through the process. So we'll see what happens. Hoping for the best just to be out of relegation this year. Like, we can avoid relegation. It will be a victory for my team this season. In the Premier League, Kind of Champions League. It's mostly Champions League. We're just talking about Bundesliga teams, I should say, not Premier League. Borussia Dortmund have been eliminated from this year's Champions League tournament by Sporting Lisbon. Dortmund conceded three goals while only scoring a single goal while in Lisbon. Sporting Lisbon, in turn, qualified for their first Final 16 appearance since the 2008-2009 season with this win. The only saving grace about being knocked out before the round of 16 for a team in the Champions League is you do have an opportunity to play in the Final 16 for the Europa League. So you guys still have a chance to play for a title, just not the Champions League this year. Bayern Munich had technically already qualified in the top spot in their group, so this game really didn't matter necessarily to them. It also helped that we had six players out due to COVID protocol for this game by FIFA standards. We still won the game against Dynamo Kiev 2-1, but it was a constant snowy sub-zero temperature game in Kiev. So, like, the players were cold, and pretty regularly we were having to rotate players into the game just because of how cold it was. Interesting. So... It was a weird game to watch, but it was snowing the whole time, which made it for, like, a cool game to watch. But thank God that ends the long sports episode, because even for me, I'm like, whew, it's a long episode of sports. But we'll try to keep it a little bit more of an average pace. I know we have new book announcements coming up in the next episode, so that's always a fun time. But thank you guys for sticking around with us through the whole episode, if you did. And make sure you're staying in contact with us on all our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoy listening to us go on and on and on. About sports and or books. Books, that's not so bad. We'll see you on Thursday for the book episode. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.